so much. Hey, uh, we are going to be, can we get a little more house light in here? I don't know if that's easy to do. I feel like I'm glaring into the dark abyss. Unless y'all vibe with this. Is this good? Is it? Okay, a little brighter. Maybe for the note takers in the room. What's up? This is awesome. What up, bro? Hey, uh, I'm so glad you're here tonight. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Luke 19, we're going to camp there. We're going to set up camp. We're going to go through it verse by verse, verses 1 through 10. Story of Zacchaeus. Uh, But before we get there, uh, Dr. Q is in the house, I think. Is he here? Oh, I'll just announce him when he walks in the back. He'll walk in with his coffee and he'll be like. So I'll just make sure y'all know when he's here. Sorry, that was false alarm. Uh, but he will be here. So uh, we have a missions meeting right after service. Make sure you're here. This is not you signing up for a mission trip. This is just you being like, hey, I'm kind of interested. I want to know what that's about. And we're going to tell you. Uh, thanks serving. How many of y'all have been involved in that? Our Thanksgiving outreach every year? Uh, it is the Friday before Thanksgiving week. So Friday and Saturday, sorry. So if you're here and want to help serve, we would love to have you deliver meals to families in the community that otherwise would not have Thanksgiving with their family. So we serve almost 250 food boxes to different families, over, I think over 1,000 people that we serve meals to. Uh, so it's going to be it's, it's gonna be amazing. So uh, if you can, we would love for you to be here. Dr. Q, if you see him at all, I promise you, you'll hear two things. That and Honduras. So he wants you to go on missions and do missions right here in your backyard. So that's, that's what he's about. But, uh, man, as we wrap up these next few weeks, I'll just kind of give you a little vision for it. Next week, our Reverend R.P. is going to be preaching. He's got, a, he's got an amazing word from the Lord. He's been just meditating on this nugget for quite some time. <laughs> uh, and then the next week, we have a worship night. We have a worship night here at the church, but then we will have our Friendsgiving that night after uh, the worship service here. So... That'll be potluck. Don't cheer too loud because you have to bring your casserole. So how many of you know how to like bake a casserole? How many? Oh, my. The casseroles will live on. I promise you that. You thought Granny was the last one to have that recipe? Not a chance. Uh, and then the last week, I'll be back. And then the next week is our study night. So we're excited for the rest of the semester. We do have a live album recording this Friday. Uh, RP will give us a few details on that. But we have all of our worship team that's in here will probably be there and maybe singing, maybe me, I don't know, a special? Wow, amen. Let's get into the word. I've taken too much time. So Luke 19.10, or sorry, 19.1. It's going to be up on the screens if you didn't bring your Bible. Uh, but if you have notes or a notes app on your phone and you want to take notes here, uh, what I want to do before we read scripture tonight is you're not going to, how don't we try to keep, take notes of everything that I communicate? Because there's no way you'd be able to. This is hours of preparation, uh, quiet times for me. I want you to be hearing, thinking and hearing and listening for the Holy Spirit to, to give you questions or thoughts regarding something that's said or a passage of scripture as we're reading. And so when that comes to your mind, I want you to jot it down so that you don't forget, so that you can go home and you can wrestle with that or you can look up in scripture uh, and see what the Lord really wants to teach you through that. So as we're reading through tonight, we're just going to break it down, uh, but we're going to start with verse 1 and read through verse 10, and we're going to do it that way. So, y'all ready? Yeah. Okay, y'all are good. Okay, Luke 19, verse 1. It says, He, that's Jesus, 
Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He's an important character in this, this passages. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. Shouty. Uh, so he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come on down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they, everybody that's there, all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man, and you've probably heard this passage of scripture before, because this is often quoted. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. As I'm reading through these last couple, this last whole chapter, Luke 18 and Luke 19, if you look at the last phrase, that is the teaching point that Jesus lands on, on the whole story that he's setting up, the 10, 15, 20, 20 verses prior. So that is a, a crucial point to this story. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. I want to talk tonight on this idea of living on commission. Living on commission. And we're going to identify what that means for Zacchaeus and what that means for us in our life. So I'm going to pray real quick just uh, to ask the Lord to speak to us tonight. And then we're going to dive in. Lord, I, I just thank you for your word. Thank you for the, for the truth that's in your word. The truth that is your word. Thank you that you guide our steps with your word. That when we don't know where to go, your word is a light to our path. Uh, Lord, I, I thank you that when we need vision or direction, Lord, when we need comfort, Lord, your word is where we can turn. And so we just ask tonight that you teach us, uh, that you reveal more of yourself to us, and Lord, we're eager and excited to study your word and what you want for us. In Jesus' name, and everybody at Elevation tonight said, amen. Amen, amen. Um, Okay, I lost my spot. Sorry. So uh, my first job growing up was, I work, how many of you remember your first job ever? How many of you, it was like before you were 15? Okay. When I, I'm going to date myself here. When I had my first job, I had to get a job because my parents said, if you don't have a job, there's no way you're getting a cell phone. And so I wanted a cell phone so bad that I decided, well, the only solution is I'm just going to get a job. <laughs> I went to work so that I could have a phone and text my parents and text my friends and all that stuff. I worked at a, uh, how many of y'all have been to like your nieces and nephews, like baseball games, soccer games, and you went to the concession stand and you were like, I need a nacho. Uh, yep, I was the guy that would get your nachos. Or the pickle in a bag. You remember that? Like, so, so weird. Uh, your nerd ropes, anybody? Your nerd ropes? Uh, that's, that's my vibe. That's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm living in the small hut that's terribly air conditioned all summer passing out some nachos, hot dogs, and your nerd ropes. Uh, that was my first job. But if you look at, how many of you love college football? College football fans in the house, of course. Uh, so I, did, I didn't really understand this, but when uh, Alabama wins the championship every year, thank you, God bless you. 
uh, when Alabama wins the championship every, not every year, but most years, Alabama gets a bonus, like the coach gets a bonus, and the SEC, the conference that they're in, they get a bonus because they're in the conference, they worked hard, and because of what they've done, they've made money on the results of their season. <clears throat> in most jobs, in most scenarios, we call this commission. Uh, and this is where we pick up with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a man who is, in a, in a second we're going to identify, he's a chief tax collector. He makes his money off of other people's money. So when you pay taxes at the beginning of the year, or when your parents do, I'm just going to give you a young adult lesson here in just a second. Um, you're going to pay taxes at some point. Uh, tax collectors would take your money and give it to the government, which at the time was Rome. And then how Zacchaeus makes his money, and he says, I got to give 8% to Rome. I'm going to get 4%. So you're going to be taxed 12%. And that's just the tax. And I was studying the list of taxes. They had like road tax, they had fruit tax, they had kid tax, they had air tax in Rome. This is how, this is how terrible the taxes were in this time. Like they had a list. I was listening to this dude who was sitting in a chair and he was like, list after list after list of taxes. It was kind of boring. It felt like tax talk, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> you, you would imagine tax talk would be. That's how it was. But this guy made his money off of other people's money. He made commission and that's how he lived his life. Everything that he had came from the commission and off the money of everyone around him. So let's, let's look at who is all in this story. So if you take a step back in Luke 18, in verse 31, Jesus says, hey boys, come on, we're going to go to Jerusalem. So Jesus is taking him and his 12 disciples to Jerusalem, and then at the chapter, one, chapter 19, verse 1, he says, he is passing through. So we know Jesus is there, we know the disciples are there, and we know that Zach is there. Is that okay? Can we call him Zach for the sake of tonight? <clears throat> I just know Zacchaeus is going to be a long name for a lot of talk tonight. So we, I just want to identify who is, who is in the room that we're talking about right here. So Luke 19.1, y'all follow along with me. We're going to run through this. Uh, it says that he entered Jericho and was passing through. Jericho was not Jesus' destination. Jesus was passing through on purpose. Everything that Jesus did was on purpose. So he knew, we're going to Jerusalem. This is the last week of his, uh, of his life here on earth. I didn't know this stat, but 23 of the like 80-something chapters within the four Gospels are the last week of his life. And 13 chapters are the last day. Like, that's in, so much of what is recorded is that last few weeks. And I think that it was like 40-something were the last three years. So the last week of his life is so crucial for us to understand and us to study and know. And this is where we find him. This is the beginning of the last week of Jesus' life. But Jesus was passing through on purpose. He knew, God, I, he may not have known that he was meeting Zacchaeus, but he knew, I'm going through on purpose. There's an assignment for me here. This is what's about to happen. So he shows up in, in uh, Jericho, and he meets a crowd of people. Uh, so I have a question. Are you living your in-between moments, this passing through time for you, are you living it on purpose? Think of Jesus' life. Everything that he did was purposeful. Whether he was taking a break, where he was napping, whether he was eating, whether he was hanging out with the boys, his rest time was intentional. 
His work time was intentional. Are the in-between moments for you? Is the passing through full of purpose for you? Luke 19, 2. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector. And that boy was rich. Okay, so I don't know how much rich is, but if you can kind of gather your thoughts here. Uh, like, if you can think of rich here, it's probably the same equivalent, maybe just less bougie. You know what I mean? Like, he probably didn't have the stone and marble. Maybe he did. I have no idea. But if you can get a picture in your mind, rich, that's what this dude is. Rich to you may look different than to me. But Zacchaeus is rich on rich. So Luke 19.3 is where we pick up and where we're going to dive in. And Zacchaeus was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not, because he was small in stature. Get this, the story right before this in chapter 18, if y'all, how many of y'all have a paper Bible? Okay, if you look just above this, there's a story that's titled, uh, Jesus Heals a Blind Beggar. I don't think it's ironic that someone who is physically blind precedes someone who is spiritually blind. And the significance of these two stories being recorded in the New Testament, the last week of Jesus' life, there's a point for us to get. I think for some of us, we are physically blind. We have no vision. We're needing vision. We need direction. We're lost. And for, for a lot of people that we're surrounded by, that's the case for them. But for some of us, Zacchaeus specifically, he may have seen, he may have heard who Jesus was. He'd never met and experienced and lived life with Jesus or anybody that's been around him. So, so the, the scripture says he was seeking out to see who Jesus was. I believe that Jesus was spiritually blind. He had no spiritual direction. He had no hope, no joy. He was living for himself. That's just the way life was for him. And so the fact that these two are juxtaposed right behind one another, physically blind, Jesus heals them. Spiritually blind, and we get to see the rest of the story play out in just a second. But until we seek and know who Jesus is, we will be blind in our life, spiritually and physically. He gives us vision. And then the latter part of that verse says, he was likened to Shorty Spice. One, one vote. Okay. <laughs> where, are the, where are the young adults at in the house? You know what I'm saying? Y'all know the Spice Girls ever? Okay. Wow. Okay, I want to I pick out three things from this one scripture that we, can, that we can take home today. So from this one scripture, I can tell we're all small in stature before God. You look, at, you look at Zacchaeus, and it says, this dude's short. Why in the world is this in the Bible? Does it really matter how tall Zacchaeus was? Like, who, who nowadays is like, oh, you remember Zacchaeus? That dude was so small. Nobody's saying that. Nobody's thinking, like, I wonder how tall John was. I just don't, I don't know, but I don't really care. You know what I mean? Like, there's certain things that I'm like, I don't, I don't know, but it probably doesn't matter that much. Zacchaeus' height is stuck in the Word. But what's ironic is most of the time throughout Scripture where you see people of height, normally it, it accompanies pride in Scripture. But here we see Zacchaeus, he's small. And so I questioned, God, what is, what's important about his stature? Why is it important that we know this dude is short? So average height back in this day was like, for a man, was about five-ish feet, which is, how many of you are above five feet? Men in the house, men, just men in the house. 
almost, is there a man, un, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I won't do that to you. Uh, most of us are, <laughs> most, most of us are above five feet tall. Uh, but the average height was five feet-ish. And this dude was short compared to them. So this dude is like, like, I, I don't know how, how, I don't know how tall, but he, this dude's like little, little. This dude's little, little. But I, I know that in each one of us, there's a, there's a level of, it's not immaturity, but, the, but there's a short in stature part of us. Uh, to illustrate this point, Oprah Winfrey, how many of y'all know Oprah? She, does, she did an interview her last year um, on TV, her last year doing her show. And, and anyone that she would bring on, whether it was the president or the president's wife or a huge CEO of a major company or somebody that we would recognize in, in a moment or maybe somebody that we'd never heard of, maybe it's just some random person that she brought on the show, every person when she got done interviewing them would ask the question, was that okay? Did I, did I do is that what you wanted? Like, is it? In each one of us, there's, there's something in us that always craves to know, am I doing okay? Am I measuring up? It, is my life making, it, there's, a, there's a part of us that before we know the Lord, we are all short in stature. We are in need of the Lord to really grow up, to really see what we're capable of, to, to grow in maturity. We need the Lord. Without Jesus, everything will leave us empty. This dude had everything. I said he was rich. This dude, like, his house was good. You'd see it, like, MTV Cribs, the Airbnbs that you like and favorite, and you're like, man, I wish I could go there. Like, that's his house. Uh, the cars that you're like, man, I wish, that's my dream car. Those are his cars. Like, everything that you were like, man, I wish I could really do that. This is this dude's life. He had it all, but yet he was still seeking to see who Jesus was. Why? If, you, if you've got everything you need and you don't need anything from anybody, why are you seeking to see who somebody else is about? Because you've heard of something that they've done and you're intrigued because you kind of want that. Everything, not seeking, without Jesus, everything will leave us empty. And there will always be a crowd between you and more of God. And this is really where I feel like the Lord kind of wrestled with me this week in preparing for this because for each one of us, there's always, regardless of how hard we try, what season we're in, there's always going to be a crowd that stands in between us and more of God. So you look at, you look at Zacchaeus, this dude, the people that he's surrounded by, he, he's the chief tax collector of that whole region. So they know him. They know this guy. He looks the part. He's got the bougie sandals on. He's got his, you know, his legs are covered up because in that time you didn't show your legs if you were a man because it was a sign of prestige and uh, status. Uh, he didn't probably sweat. He probably had the, the right garbs on, like everything that you would think of. But he was walking through this group of people. And how many of you know, like somebody that you don't like, but they're bigger than you, you're like, I'm not really gonna say nothing. You know what I mean? But if you don't like somebody and they're smaller than you, yeah, you, you can say something. You know what I'm saying? Like, a little bit of pride rises up and you're like, I can take you, bro. Like, this is, the, he's running through people that, he, that do not like him to get a glimpse of Jesus. He's running by them, pushing them out of the way, bumping into them just to make it to the tree. I want to ask you a question. What's keeping you from more of God? What is the crowd in your walk? 
For you, it may be your excuses. For some of you, it may be your friends. For me, it's calendar and my lack of discipline. Maybe it's, for some of you, it's the sin that you seem to keep running back to over and over and over again. What is the, what is the crowd in your life that's going to keep you ultimately from seeking more and being able to grow closer to God? Luke 19, 4. So he ran, speaking of Zacchaeus, he ran on ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree to see Jesus, for he was about to pass that way. We already covered Richmond in this time didn't run. They, they were like, I'm, I'm good, I'm chill. Richmond, don't run. Like, I'll walk, they'll wait on me. Where's my tea? This is, this is what this guy's personality was like. But something changed in a moment. He was desperate for Jesus. He couldn't wait to see who this man was. This is like, and Jesus speaks to this kind of heart posture that comes over us when we sense something about Jesus, but we don't know it. It's called a childlike faith. In Luke 18, the chapter right before this, it says, but Jesus called to them saying, let the children come to me and do not hinder them for to such belongs the kingdom of God. And this is the last part of that chunk of scripture. And this is the lesson he wanted people to get. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. There is something about us that when we get around the things of God and we truly believe and have faith that God who is, who is who he says he is, there's something in us that rises up that's childlike. I want to ask you, do you approach the things of God in a childlike manner? Do you have faith because the word said so? Do you believe and encourage people just because you have faith that they're doing the things that they should be doing? Do you seek Jesus the way that a kid would I don't know, seek something else. <laughs> I don't know. Do you seek the Lord with a childlike manner? Luke 19, 5. And when Jesus came to the place, this is my favorite verse. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Jesus' response to Zacchaeus, this is where we pick it up. Uh, Zacchaeus' response was, I'm going to run to Jesus. I've got to figure this guy out. I've got to see what this guy's all about. I've heard it. Now what? And Jesus is walking through the town. Zacchaeus is up in the tree. And the thing I love about this is this Greek word, the place, to the place in this scripture, means a designated spot, means a, a destination. So when Jesus walks up, Zacchaeus didn't have to call out Jesus' name. He didn't have to say, hey, I'm over here. He didn't say, Lord, have mercy on me like the blind beggar did in the last one because he could see Jesus. But Jesus stopped. He came to the place that was predetermined. He looked up in the tree and said, Zacchaeus. Nobody had to say Zacchaeus' name. Zacchaeus already knew. I love this because if you look at this story and you, you read a couple of verses earlier, Zacchaeus is seeking out the Lord and what who this man was, seeking out Jesus. But then you see Jesus' intentionality here. Who was seeking who? And in that moment when I realized that Jesus never stopped seeking us, it shifted for me. Because Jesus wouldn't have had to get up, Zacchaeus wouldn't have had to get up in the tree. He wouldn't have had to run. But he did it. And Jesus still met him right where he was. 
I believe that if Zacchaeus would have stayed in the crowd and tucked behind these people trying to avoid who Jesus was, I believe that Jesus in his love and compassion would still have called out, Zacchaeus, come on over. I got to go to your house today. That's the heart of God. That's Jesus in his compassion and his love and his grace in our life. He shows up and he runs and he seeks us out. How incredible is that? How incredible to know that you have a God that loves you, that gave everything for you, and he steadily over and over and over again seeks you out. That's mind-blowing. We don't deserve such a love, but he gives it. So Jesus came to the place. How many, and then the next verse, uh, it says, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Um, how many of you remember when you were a kid, like you conspired, like you talked with your friends and you were like, you want to come over? And it's like, you ask your mom. And it's like, you were like trying to figure out whose mom hadn't been asked last. You know what I mean? Like, so in some ways you would try to meet up with them and you'd be, you know, try to connive, like kind of sneak it in there. Like, oh, I John wants to come over and stay tonight. You mind if he comes? And it's like, no, you, not tonight, it's school night. And so John's mom uh, gets a question from John. I'm trying to keep up with these names here. But it doesn't matter who, who asks, like, you got to try to sneak it in there. And sometimes you'll say no, and then sometimes you say yes, be like, yes, this, this is it. But when Jesus asks you, hey, like, hurry up, come on over here, I'm coming to your house today. Like, you just show up at the house and be like, Ma, Jesus is here, uh, what's for supper? She can't get mad at that. Like, <laughs> there's no way you're going to be mad at an interruption. Jesus shows up to your house. Uh, I just thought of that story. What a, what a crazy thought that Jesus was like, I'm going to your house today. I'll probably have just steak, if that's good with you. You probably got some. Uh, that's what I'll do, steak and shrimp. I like it. Uh, Luke 19, 6 and 7. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, when they saw them come down, received Jesus received him, and they went off. They all grumbled. Jesus has gone in to be the guest of a man who's a sinner. The only thing I want to say about this is Jesus loved being around people that religious people did not. And I want to question, I want to ask you a question that will maybe challenge who you are and some of the stuff that you've thought in the past is are you one to quickly judge others whose lives look messed up? Or are you quick to hang with those who are far from Christ? Jesus' heart was to always build relationships with those who were far from him. The religious-minded people were the ones who tried to create the barrier between Jesus and those whose lives did not look like Jesus' life. I want us to be a people who are quick to move towards people who look nothing like Jesus so that we can introduce, talk about, and show the love and serve like Jesus would. Luke 19, 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. Listen to this. Jesus didn't like rebuke him. Jesus didn't give him a list of like, here's the things I want you to do better. Jesus literally just hung out with Zacchaeus. And this is his response. But this, is so, this blows my mind. Jesus probably came in, ate dinner. What's up? How are you? Met whoever was in the house with him. So, so good to meet you. Hey, guys, this is Jesus. 
I'm glad. Hey, good to be here. Thank you so much. He sat down, was eating dinner. And then after dinner, Zacchaeus gets up and says, Jesus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay it all back. I, this is what happens when we just experience the presence of God in a pure, non-motive, unmotive, I don't even know what word I'm looking for, no prior motivations. When Jesus' presence is what we experience, this is what happens to us. We, our heart is filled with repentance. The things that Zac- Zacchaeus was wrapped up in, he was like, I don't, I'm not going to do it anymore. I've been out for myself. His mind shifted from me to other people. Hey, I'm not going to take everything that I've been taking, but I'm going to be about the people that I've robbed from. He had great generosity. Half of my goods, half of everything I own, I'm giving to the poor. But then he says this, and if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. The science behind this is, if you were to steal like a cow, and I don't know why you would do that, but let's just say you're in this time. You stole a cow, and you were like, oops, sorry about your cow. So you show up back to their house and be like, hey, here's the cow. You would actually have to pay them double because you stole this cow. Now, if you stole the cow and this cow died or you killed it for the meat, you're like, oh, I'm about to eat so good. Yeah, what's up? You would have to pay them back four times what you stole from them because a fatality happened to what you stole. That's, that's the highest level of accountability when it comes to stealing. This is what Zacchaeus was willing to pay to anyone and everyone that he had stolen from, defrauded. He said, I'll, get, I'll do the maximum penalty because, because I love you, Jesus. And what you've done for me, what I know, who, who I know you are, I'll give the most I have to give to settle account. This is just what happened in Jesus' presence. His generosity was amazing. He had heart change for me today. And ultimately, the next verse, verse 9 says, And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Ultimately, his experience with Jesus led to salvation. Who in your life, if they were exposed to the love of Christ, would immediately receive salvation because of the goodness of God? but maybe they just haven't had the experience. And maybe you were the one that could deliver the news. Maybe you were the one that could encourage. Maybe you were the one that could meet and have coffee and say, God loves you. And who in your life? Maybe that's you in this room. Maybe you're the one in need of salvation in the presence of God. And then lastly, this is the last verse of the whole teaching right here with the disciples and Zacchaeus. This wraps up, it doesn't even seem like this part fits the story like it like it's like it's a hey and I want you to know but he gets done with Zacchaeus he finishes up at the house they're done eating he's like Zacchaeus is like I'll give every all of my money away and Jesus says because of what I find so amazing too Luke 18 I'm not going to tell you about the story the rich young ruler came up to Jesus says hey what do I do to inherit the kingdom of God the rich young Jesus tells him hey sell everything and the rich young ruler went away, went away sad because he wasn't willing to do it. Zacchaeus' heart was, I'll give away all I have just to be in your presence because you are worth it. You are good enough. And so we're sitting here at the end of this chapter. Luke 19.10. It says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. 
like, thanks for dessert. Thanks for having me over. Oh, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. <laughs> Walks out of the house, keeps on moving, follows, follows his disciples to Jerusalem. What a finishing thought. But for some of us, we think of this as like, it's a neat scripture we would put on a wall. And as I was reading this, I was like, what's the importance of this being at the end of this story? If you think of Zacchaeus, all the way at the beginning of the, the chapter, you look at his life, and he's at a place where he's greedy, he's robbing from people, he's hated, nobody loves him, he's so isolated, he's so lonely, he's living on commission. Off of what other people make. But at the end of this story, Jesus says, hey, the Son of Man has come to seek and save those who are lost. He says, this is my whole mission. The whole reason I'm here, my whole, my whole plan of being here on this earth is this alone. And I believe this is an invitation for Zacchaeus. He says, hey, I know you've been living for yourself. I know you've done everything that you needed to do. Provided for your family, done things to people you shouldn't have done. Your life hasn't looked like you've wanted it to live. You've come back to me. Hey, will you join me? Now he's living a life on co-mission with Jesus. Jesus says, hey, I'm doing this. Will you be a part of what I'm doing? I'm gonna do it regardless if you're with me or not, but will you join me? I would love to have you. So Zacchaeus now gets to team up with Jesus and the 12 disciples, and he's now tasked with everyone that he talks to, everyone that he meets his whole life. I get to partner with Jesus and Seeking people, telling them about the Lord, and helping them to experience salvation in Jesus Christ. What does this look like for you? I'm going to give you three points really quickly. What does this look like for us as a church? The church doesn't have a mission. The mission has a church. If you are a Christ follower, you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you are in his church. And now we have the opportunity to join up with him, to join his mission. We are a part of what he's doing. Point number two, the church won't last with a come and see mentality. It must be a go and tell mandate. Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations. We've got to go, people. We've got to get outside the walls. We've got to talk to the people around us. We've got to talk to your barista at Starbucks. We got to talk to the people that we pass at Walmart. We got to talk to the people that we're in line with at Target. I know all of y'all be at Target all the time. Where's where are you going to be on co-mission with Jesus? Where are you going to have intentional conversation? Where are you going to have coffee dates? Who are you going to have coffee dates with? Who are you going to go to lunch with and just say, "Man, Jesus loves you. Let me share what he's done in my life." When are we going to get back to these things? Point number 3, the church can't save anyone but it can serve everyone. And we try, to, we try to expose every opportunity from mission trips, Dr. Q's in the house, what's up Q? Mission trips to serve opportunities to Christmas mall to think serving in two weeks. We try to give so many opportunities to serve people who are in need, but we're so busy. There's things going on in our life. There's things that we just, the crowd is there. 
Church, what will we do? What, what else can we give our life to that's going to make it a difference the rest of our life? It's going to be serving and loving the people on co-mission with Jesus. I'm, I feel like the Lord just gave me this thought. I texted somebody. We get to be a part of what Jesus is doing. We are invited in now. If we've made Jesus the Lord of our life, we get to say, okay, God, I'm going to be a part of what you're doing. I, I'm going to be, I'm going to team up with you. My, my relationships are going to look different. My life is going to look different. In elevation, I just want us to be intentional every single day. And it's not going to look, you don't have to be the crazy Christian. That's not what I'm saying. But man, if you look at Zacchaeus' story and the transformation that happened, what did Jesus do? He sought him, he spoke with him, and he sat with him and ate. And man, if we could just do these things, seek the people out that you know, speak to them. Hey, God, can we grab lunch? Can we do, listen to their story? Sit and eat and just share your story. Share your story with them. You never know what that's gonna do. And when we do these things, I promise you, Man, the mission that Christ had while he was here is going to be what we live for. Amen. God, I thank you for...